Salam Nerds is brought to you by HalalShirts.com, where you can find fun novelty gifts for your Muslim friends. While you're at it, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe to our channel. Yo, 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 Salam Nerds! It's your boy Neve, aka Watch with Neve, and I'm here with my co-host Jazz, aka Jazzrachi. <laughs> <laughs> like Karachi. As a Karachi Jazz boy, Rachi. I appreciate that so much, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, you like that, right? I, I was born at uh, Sin Medical College, and so, you know, I am from Karachi. I moved here at six months. Uh, fun fact, um, I popped out a month early, and my mom was in Karachi for her sister's wedding. So I totally fucked wow. up. Wow. <laughs> Way to ruin a wedding, bro. <laughs> Straight up, I did. Like a, you were born a wedding crasher. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so, how old were you when you came to America? I was six months. Um, my parents, You came to America six months? Yeah. My parents lived here, were, right? My dad's been here since like were, the 80s. So. You're like a little foblet. A little yeah, foblet. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my dad came here for college he went to the university of houston just like i did go coobs um but uh my mom actually came here after she got married to my dad and so it's weird because i'm like half first gen and half immigrant so uh, yeah <laughs> it's a it's a really weird place to be and then um you're like yeah. you're like a half gen immigrant <laughs> i'm in between two generations cool. yeah but uh very cool. yeah i came here six months because we had to wait for my vaccines and all that to kick in so all right, yeah. all right. So I cool. unfortunately can't well, be president here, which would be really cool, but I can do almost everything else. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you know what? I would still vote for you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. But let's get into the real guest of honor today, and that is our guest host, Mariam, who is a board-certified analyst, who is a doctorate candidate, and who is doing a dissertation on intergenerational trauma with the partition and one of the big themes for today's episode was the partition mm. and uh, honestly so usually i have an idea of where i want the show to go i made no plan <laughs> i made no sketch no nothing we're gonna see it where it goes man we're gonna see that there might be some tears there might be <laughs> who knows where it's gonna go i'm scared i'm i don't know like throw it away like i don't know <laughs> like, no that's fair because even last night um when we were watching miss marvel right we talked about this in the last episode where uh at the end right where they showed the trains i felt that man like mm-hmm. i was like oh this is loss like Mm-hmm. they're losing everything they're risking everything to get on this last train just to make oh. it to a land where you know unfortunately the british totally screwed up and so yeah I, and you if i you, felt conflicted i felt anger i felt sadness i'm like this shouldn't happen this shouldn't be happening and i wish i could stop it almost <laughs> Yeah. And like what people don't realize is that the reason it's so scary, it's not just because they have to leave, but like when they stay, there was a power vacuum left by the British Mm -hmm. and these local extremists would gather around and they would kill people. And it it, thought like they really had to fear for their lives. And they're like little kids going like, are we going to be able to get on the train? Like, it's sad, bro. It's oh, that line hit me. I was like, oh. You know, like when I was yeah. like, you know, doing research for my dissertation, it's, you know, like you read the stats and you read about it, like you read like, okay, close to 2 million people lost their lives in this. And you, yeah. you hear about, okay, there are blood trains, but then, then you, and you see it. Right. And I think they did a really good job of, of visualizing it 
right? It didn't look, it wasn't romanticized. It didn't look brave. It didn't look like empowered. It just, it looked devastating, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you mm. see it, and I mean, obviously it's not, that wasn't real. That was just for the show. But like, I think they did a sure. good job of showing like, and you're right. It does show up a kind of emotion and humanizes it, right? When you don't, you don't feel those emotions when you're just reading stats about an event, right? Yeah. You, you actually see it. You hear those, that little kid talking and you hear the confusion and the, and how frantic people are in their voices. Like it, it does hit differently. So majority of our audience, despite the name Salam Nurse, is actually not Muslim or mm -hmm. Pakistani. Could you explain what a blood train is? Yeah. So um, during the partition of, of India and Pakistan, um, you know, they kind of talked a little bit about that in the show. But basically what happened, it happened quickly, right? It was it, the British leaving the country, pulling up very suddenly. You know, civil wars on the verge of breaking out in the country. People were pissed. There was tension. So very quickly, almost overnight, they decided we're separating the countries, right? We're going to draw mm -hmm. this kind of arbitrary line by some white dude. They mentioned in the show, this white guy basically came and destroyed everything. And, you know, there is no internet. There was no communication. Like people found out about yeah. this. It's like word of mouth. And there was mass confusion. And yeah. so all people knew was our village is going to be destroyed. They're coming for the Muslims or they're coming for the Hindus or they're coming for whatever. Get out of here. So people were just going to scramble on whatever train they could get on to get to what part of the area they're supposed to be in. Right. So yep. mm -hmm. Muslims leaving India, Hindus leaving Pakistan and going other side. There was not enough trains and there was not enough room on the train. So people were climbing on top, trying to get wherever they want. And as these trains are pulling in to the destinations, they would arrive dripping blood because they would be looted and attacked on the way. And they would just wow. basically kill everybody on board. So they would arrive often with almost no survivors and just dripping blood everywhere. So they call them blood. Wow. And there's stories, there's accounts of like children being saved by, you know, parents basically laying on top of them so no one they couldn't get killed it's traumatizing you know and and people who are now in their 70s and 80s can remember like when i was three years old and this happened yeah it's crazy because mm -hmm. they're they're still alive essentially yeah a lot of them are, uh, yeah, more, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's it's very and it, it explains why there's so much tension with the company uh, countries, right? Because like a lot of the people who are politicians right now are children of people who literally went through this, right? Mm -hmm. And they passed down their trauma, they passed down their uh, pain, and they've unfortunately passed down their hatred. Mm -hmm. And it's and a lot of the policies that are in effect are the direct result of that. And it's really complicated too because you know before the partition right when it was just india and so the british came and at first people were like oh cool these people have like technology and they have stuff and they're giving us jobs and they were kind of like okay this isn't too bad almost in a way allowed the colonization because they didn't really know where it was going and they thought they're getting something out of it and then they when they realized they were gonna go like oh, this kind of sucks <laughs> we're mm -hmm. not really a fan you know they're kind of taking over <laughs> um but what the British are really good at was like this divide and conquer, right? And they're also yes. very good at othering. So before yeah. the British came in, there was no sense of the other. We were all Indian. 
regardless yes. of religion. And religion was not a dominant part of identity in India before mm -hmm. the British. Mm -hmm. But when the British came in, they're like, oh, hey, those Muslim guys over there, you know? Oh, hey, those Hindu guys over there. Really starting to build this kind of wedge and div division within the country. Because that's how they maintain power, right? Is by mm -hmm. right. dividing the, the masses. So that really kind of put a focus on religion as an important piece of identity, which didn't exist before. So even though there was talk about we need our own land, our own country, you know, Pakistanis as Muslims. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be a Muslim country, right? Uh, Muhammad Ali no, Jinnah no. wanted a secular country. He, he just wanted, wanted a secular country. He wanted a place where wherever you are, you go there and you be whoever you are, right? Yep. That was his vision. And you're right. That's what that's what the white in the Pakistan flag stands for. Yeah, for exactly. all the minorities. Right. Mm -hmm. Knowing that it was going to be a, a Muslim majority, but it was never supposed to be Muslim ruled country right, right. Mm -hmm. um but you're right about the the rise of nationalism right so the following generation after the partition it was almost viewed like this like we just went through hell this was mm -hmm. horrible this was this was like next level torture this is you know we just went through all this for what this better be worth something we better mm -hmm. be fighting for something right so mm -hmm. that trauma that they this mass collective trauma that people went through kind of gave birth to this nationalism where mm -hmm. what are we fighting for what did we lose all this for right mm. it couldn't have been for nothing and so this created it's like it's like they almost they needed something to blame right like so now we've been yeah. othered now our difference in religion has been pointed out to us okay that can be our cause that's what we're going to fight for and that's what we see now between Fox and india Culturally, we're so similar, right? But it's that yeah. religious difference and uh, political views and, you know, that stuff. But that's really deriving force is that religious difference. But wasn't supposed to even be there to begin with. Yeah. No, they put in a lot of rules and stuff. Like Muslims would vote for only Muslim mm -hmm. uh, candidates and Hindus would only vote for Hindus. But then, like, Muslims would always, you know, be in a situation where they're oppressed, right? And mm -hmm. they created an environment where they made it almost impossible to coexist in a, in any kind of like you know this time period, um, like, and the partition, uh, something that people I might be getting confused about. It, the partition isn't something the British forced on us. They created an environment where we felt it was necessary, but Muslim people uh, basically wanted a partition. They felt it was uh, the the vision was too big to to fix, uh, and that's why they did it. And what these people did, uh, I think his name was Radcliffe. I think Radcliffe yep. is the name of the guy who drew up the line. He had no experience. He didn't know anything about the region. He knew nothing about borders. He knew nothing about ethnicities. And he kind of just like, uh, he and he used like all outdated maps yeah. too. Yep. And pretty much just like, Leroy, yeah, Leroy Jenkins. I'm just going to wing <laughs> it. Like, uh, see what happens, right? Yeah. Uh, and like, 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 for example, like Lahore, Lahore is like half of Punjab, like half of the like people on the other side of Lahore are identical and they're pretty much just like cut in half. And yeah. it's really a difficult situation because you and this is what I, uh, Thana, who is Kamala's mom, says, she says, um, you know, I have a Pakistani passport, but my roots are in India. 
and mm-hmm. like you know and then between us is a border filled with blood and this border was basically drawn up by englishmen right and like that's what she's talking about the border and and how crazy it was uh and you can see like you know she was a child but she's probably still holds a lot of trauma from that time period yeah i mean there's a few things you, you touched on there so the border right so right. absolutely arbitrary line and their goal was okay we get muslim majority on the side hindu majority on the side but the line literally went through villages like yeah. there are people who woke up in the morning and they're like my neighbor next door is in india and i'm in pakistan like yes it was literally going through villages it was cutting and you know that part of the world we're we're regional right so just different yes. languages just different customs and you're cutting one village who might not have anything in common with the next they're not cut off from everything they know yeah the other big thing is you know people did not know what was going on all they knew is they had to flee all they saw was oh people are gonna kill i like i need to get out of here people thought they could go back they did not yeah. realize yeah. this was a permanent thing right so yes. when, when you know so when uh sana is talking about uh i'm indian i have a pakistani passport there's accounts of real people who would say now like what, 60 years later talk about pre-partition calling that home so when yeah. back when i used to live at home they can't even refer to where they've lived for the past 60 years as home because yeah. when you talk about trauma trauma is essentially part of your brain like part of your it's distorted time right mm-hmm. so our 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 minds are temporal we follow a timeline where we can talk about past present future trauma is an experience that you're not able to see as like part of the past you haven't wow received closure around that it's it's not temporally related to the rest of your experience so you you can't get over it because you're still stuck in it that makes sense wow i've never heard it explained that way before yeah. that That's is kind of so like the approach to it that it is your brain unable to process the passage of time so it's temporal confusion in this experience you're having so that's what you see with people they literally talk about it like when i got go back home it's like so 60 years ago you're not going back home since you're home now yeah. people cannot it's not that they're being stubborn it's like they really cannot their mind cannot accept that yeah. right yeah because you left in a hurry you know what's going on there was no closure around okay goodbye home i'll never see you again No, yeah. they had no idea. Maybe we'll go back in a year. Maybe we'll go back six months. Maybe never, right? They didn't know. And so there's see... also stories of people who had moved and they've named streets after where they used to live or stores mm. after a street they used to live on, trying to bring part of that, you know, past with them. But yeah. then it's like, does that help or make it worse? You know, I mean, I don't know, I don't but know. it's just, it's an indication of the trauma they're experiencing, right? They never got that closure. They never got that, you know, it was uh, that they left on their own, um, their, by choice either. Right. So when you're forced to yeah. do something, there's, there's something missing there. Yeah. Yeah. And that also happens with a lot of our parents. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my mom, she got married and moved to America, right? She is still stuck in 1989 Karachi and mm. she just cannot get past it and no matter how much i try and so even beyond just you know the partition this is going to exist 
anywhere where people are forced to just pick up and leave for whatever yeah. reason. But I think there's also the intergenerational component there too, right? So like when we talk about intergenerational trauma, it's trauma being carried across generations, even if you didn't experience it, right? So none of us mm. experienced the partition. We're all touched yeah. by it. We're all impacted by it. Like Jazz, mm -hmm. when you were saying you were getting emotional watching that scene, yeah, there's a I part was. of you that's very connected emotionally to that, right? And so intergenerational trauma can be passed on different ways. So one way is epigenetics. So one epigenetics is literally changing your DNA. So yes, I heard about this. Yeah. Uh, they talked about how our bodies uh, store fat very differently because of the famine that we've gone through from the, the British. famines we've yes. gone through. Yeah. yeah. It, it literally changed our DNA. That's yes. so wild. Yeah. There's a lot of ways where our DNA can be changed, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. Like, little, th I mean, like, um, we're still learning more about, like, how that happens and why that happens, and I'm not an expert at epigenetics, but trauma does change that person who went that trauma is genetics and that change in genetics can get passed down. And it can even, I believe, be triggered in later generations, even if it wasn't changed in previous mm -hmm. ones. So that's one way. Then there's also a difference in our parenting. And this was touched on in the show too, like when Maniva and Senna are having that kind of mom and daughter talk, right? And, and Senna was like, you ran away from me. And, and Maniva was like, no, I didn't run away from you. I ran away from people saying things about you and it yeah. was hard for me and you were never there as a mother for me. So I thought that was really interesting when she said you were never there as the mother I needed. Because yeah. if you think about trauma, right? So Sana, she was in those trains. She went through that partition, right? Mm -hmm. She had a lot of baggage, and unresolved trauma in her own life. And then you have a kid. Like, I have two kids. You have to be like totally on it like you cannot be distracted by anything Correct. you have to be giving it 110 percent of your attention now imagine if you have such a traumatic history that you don't even have resolved and you're supposed to be providing for this child and meeting all of their needs so a really common thing in pakistani families is poor attachment to parents so poor parental relations poor parental guidance poor parental involvement and part of that has to do with our trauma background. When we have so much unresolved stuff in our own lives, how could we be so present as a parent mm. when we're dealing with our own stuff, right? Yep. And that's what we see with Sana Maniva. Sana was dealing with a lot of stuff. She probably yeah. wanted to be there as a mother and wasn't able to because she just had too much other stuff going on. And do when you, you think, thi sorry, go ahead. I was like, do you think that Maniba, after experiencing that, did the complete opposite and started like mm -hmm. paying more over attention to Mala yep. and overparenting yep. her. Mm -hmm. yes, Is that something absolutely. that happens too? That mm -hmm. does happen. That does happen. It's like, you know, it's like, um, I just, my kids too, right? Like, oh, I never had this. or my parents never did this to me. I'm going to make sure I do that for my kids. Right. You're yeah. Compensating. <laughs> yeah. But there's also, there's part of that. And there's also a fear of loss. Right. Mm. So Maniva kind of felt, compelled to have to leave home for whatever reason she lost that bond with her mother so there's this fear of loss i think that's present with her and and kamala and not just that but just the fear of my kid growing up in a different culture it's so different from my culture is she going to lose her culture and that is a huge part of our trauma history that we see in you know our generation where we're born and raised here our parents are terrified we're going to lose that culture 
Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Because they did, right? When the partition oh. happened, they lost their culture. Wow. They moved next door, but it's a different culture, right? They had to start over with nothing. People lost their money. People lost their identity in society. People lost everything. So they're desperately holding on because they, they felt that loss. Wow. Damn. I, I never... Do we need to pay you for this session? <laughs> like, I feel like I just had a breakthrough. Like, that's wild. Yeah. And once you realize your parents all have trauma, you start treating them differently. And... Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're human, right? We all right. have our limitations. And I mean, I, I mean, trust me. I grew up here. I've had my fair share of fights with my parents and I still do to this day. But like, when I think about, they dropped their lives and they moved across the world. There was no internet. Like I still can't get over. Like I can't even like go down the street with no internet. Right? Like, no. <laughs> like my, they, they used to write letters. The they yes. would write letters back home. It's so wild. Right. And so to do all that with no guidance, no idea how. And yeah, I mean, like they didn't do everything perfectly, but I think they did the best they could given what yeah. they had. You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's I yeah I don't know what to say I never thought about it that way that's so crazy like I <laughs> like you want to do these things and be like like everyone else right you want to be like American you want to be doing what everyone else is doing and you're like mom dad like get over it like what's the big deal right and then like no it it, it makes sense yeah you didn't have the trauma yeah man yeah mm. and they and a lot of them come from a generation like my own my own uh, grandparents as an example my my grandmother was an orphan um oh, wow. and uh so she didn't have a mother figure right um and didn't really know how to be a good mother mm. and so my dad is very uh weird about emotional stuff right mm -hmm. <laughs> because he didn't have a good role model for how to be that person but at the same time he's also very involved i wouldn't say helicopter parent but more involved than his parents were. And then there's mm. me who's like, I went to the extreme. I'm like, there is no emotion in my family. I'm going to become a psychologist. <laughs> 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 you know? So it's, yeah, I mean, these, these patterns in our own family histories, they do impact how we do things. So whether we see it or not, it's there. Mm. We all need therapy. We all need therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, man. Uh, the U.S. needs to do a better job with providing better access to healthcare and <laughs> and mental health because this Absolutely. is this is crazy. But like, I feel like we're for generations we haven't stopped moving. Like our parents moved from like India to Pakistan, then from Pakistan to America, and now we're moving from like you know from New Jersey America to, to like, Canada. Dallas My sister's thinking about that. Canada, we're thinking like, the same like, thing. Mm -hmm. I know. And like, when does this stop, man? Like, <laughs> It's crazy. Um, well, I think the difference is we might be the first generation where we weren't forced to move. Yeah. Like, we have the, we have the luxury now deciding, right. And we've had the luxury to do a lot of things. Our, our parents, our grandparents didn't get to do Like we have the luxury to sit here and talk about mental health. Yeah. Oh, I know, up, I know. It's definitely a privilege. Like our ability to, you know, have some kind of self-discovery only comes from them having to be in survival mode for most of yeah. their lives. Yeah. 
uh definitely something we shouldn't take for granted yeah it's crazy but you know and I, there are gonna be a lot of people listening to this podcast tomorrow morning and be like <laughs> All day yeah. at work, they're gonna be thinking about this. Yeah, man. <laughs> Call your parents, but, tell them you love them. But like, I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like some of this stuff is not even that recent, right? Like, let's look, think about Afghanistan, right? Afghanistan, like that train, the scene with the, everybody hanging on the train, not that different than everybody hanging on those planes, man. It's yep. it's crazy. Oh it's just, yeah, right. Like, yeah, I mean, it's the same level wanted. of desperation, right? It's the same level of desperation there. Right, the, the people clinging onto those trains are feeling the same way that those Afghans were clinging onto those like planes, man. Just it's just, I don't know. It's heartbreaking, man. It, it's it's it sucks that we could be in such a cruel world. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's sad. But and it all started know. with the British. Mm-hmm. Yo, why'd he be holding us down, man? <laughs> For real. For real. I mean, we could do a whole other talk on colonization too. I mean, what I think is really, <laughs> really fascinating about that is like, there's this like deep rooted animosity we had towards the British, right? Like, yeah, like right? we all feel that, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we still kind of idolize them, right? We do no, like, right? like, like, like Queen Elizabeth, like she was the queen when all this happened, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she was. Like, she was alive then. Still... She was the queen. And every time we're at the Olympics, she just stares out into the field and looks at all the countries she's lost. <laughs> Basically. But I Pakistani have a lot of animosity toward her. <laughs> Yo, I know. Not Princess Di, though. She's the exception. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. She's the exception. She, Correct. She was a and real Meghan Markle. She's awesome. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. No, but oh, like... Uh, try, uh, lighter skin being seen as the more beautiful... Right? Oh, let's like, do it. Colorism. Yeah, let's go. Let's right? go. Let's, let's talk about colorism. Me and After, Jazz, right. we know what's up. Yeah, yeah but you I see mean, how like, dark why? I am? This light is lying to you. <laughs> my sister's very light skinned. And whenever I go to Pakistan, my family is like, oh, Shama, you look so beautiful. Marine, what happened to you? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, nice to see you too. But you know, it's like we hate the British, but at the same time, we still kind of are like, want to be them as a culture yeah you know i refuse you you know what's interesting so in this episode right the cousins of gamala uh, have a different accent than kareem's friends and Mm -hmm. they have a very like britishy fake british accent it's like this weird Pakistani trying to be british accent whereas like kareem's friends just had a regular pakistani accent because and i thought because like oh. they're privileged and they go to these right. British schools exactly. and they want to be more like the British. Yeah. Yeah. That's still seen as we're still living with that. You know, it's like, they, it's like generations of being brainwashed, right? If we're still yeah. living with this, that the ideal, like you've reached societal class when you can imitate the British, the accent, mm-hmm. the skin color, all those things, right? The sports, yeah. whatever. It's like, that's the ideal, even though they destroyed the entire region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not yep. sports though, because they suck at the sports that they invented themselves. Like, we, yeah, we, con- <laughs> we, we we constantly kick their ass yeah, in, in cricket, yeah. and like other countries beat them in soccer. Field so. hockey, everything. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> How Sucked. did we let this tiny island do all this much damage? They can't even play sports. I know. <laughs> How are they going to conquer the whole world just for spice? Only to never eat spice again. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Too. I really do hate the British. Me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. taking shots at them all day. I know. I know. Well, look, look, Americans hate the British too, though. Americans take shots at them also. But then again, Amer- colonize us. I mean, I think we we've earned it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> This is, it's all like honestly, this is why I'm pretty sure that like ghosts are not real. Because if ghosts were real, every white person in this entire world will be haunted for the rest of their life. <laughs> <laughs> Got that right. I believe it, yeah. I want to be oh, a ghost man. now. Just haunt everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back and haunt colonizers <laughs> <laughs> and their descendants until they apologize. Yeah. And specifically, the people at the museums in Britain. It's still an active crime scene as far as I'm concerned. Yes, give us back our diamonds and our artifacts. But yeah, the skin tone thing too, man. Like, do you think, how many generations do you think it'll take for us to just get over that? It's ending with mine. (laughs) It ends with me. But but Mm -hmm. that's like a, on an individual level. I'm talking more about like society level, right? Because even as like, as like America claims it's like, you know, super cool. There's colorism in America too, right? Oh, for and in sure. Pakistan and Pakistan is so far behind and India is so far behind the colorism thing that like America like we're probably not gonna get past it until like America gets past it. Right? Well like, I think it means something different too though, right? Like in Pakistan, the way I see it, it really becomes a reflection of like your class, your position in society right mm-hmm. uh your level of privilege it's not just a beauty standard yeah right yeah. so are people gonna give that up right like are people gonna say i'll give up my my class and, and my prestige and you know pakistan's a very you know where you are in the, in the class kind of system is really important there right very so true. are people gonna give that up People no. are gonna say, you know, no, I don't think so. I mean, I know people of our generation who are very obsessed with their skin color. They yeah. never go, never go. Oh, I have some friends like that. You know, yeah, they are right? my yeah. age. They're obsessed with being white, and I'm like, I right. do not care. It's hard mm-hmm. to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. No, very true. Oh man, this is uh this is heavy steps, man. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Um, <laughs> before we wrap this up, uh, this was very informative. Like. There's something that you said. I was like, "Whoa, it's crazy how this like little show is opening up doors to talk about things like mm-hmm. the partition, generational trauma, uh, and class privilege." Um, it's cool. I, I like that these conversations that are coming out uh, from this tiny little MCU show, the, the little engine that could <laughs> man is it, it, chugging along like it's such a great show it doesn't have enough viewers we need to like tell everybody to go watch it because this show is incredible like um, share subscribe comments <laughs> i <laughs> right. need to like friends i'm like you need to watch the show it's so good but Neves, yeah. one thing that you and i were talking about before we started uh recording and it was about just the fact that we're able to sit here and talk about this right like yeah we about, if this show came out 20 30 years ago like we're far enough removed from the actual yeah. during the partition where we're at a place that we can talk about it was trauma it was it was horrible it was the largest mass migration in the entire world ever 
Yeah, and not and, only did like people die, but people went missing that people never found ever again. Yeah. No, there was no way to find them. Like, like they could still have like found new families. Yeah, and just completely and that alive, or that just disappeared from the face of the earth. And I highly recommend. There's a TV show called Doctor Who. Uh, it's like the thirteenth Doctor, no, the fourteenth Doctor episode. It's the episode called the demons of Punjab and it's literally about all of the people that have gone missing in the partition um and it's literally exactly what you said like lines were drawn literally through people's houses through villages and people who were like you know friends and neighbors and like you know ristadars were enemies the next day and it's crazy the show does a really great job at painting that picture i highly recommend doctor who the demons of Punjab, uh, great episode. I mean, I think you know the show obviously kind of glosses over like the, the really traumatic things that happened, but there were women who were killing themselves or their brothers or uh, fathers would because, like, a Muslim woman might get stolen by a Hindu, forced yeah. to convert, marry them, and then after the partition, Pakistan and India both made their separate bureaus of basically finding lost women mm -hmm. so this woman would finally have accepted her new life adjusted had kids whatever they would steal her back God so she's traumatized again wow yeah and then and these the kids, kids oh the, no yeah they're kind of like i don't know who are they, where are they going out they don't have a mom <sighs> now right so like it was there's so many levels of just like effed up stuff um, and so, you know, there's a, the people have been trying to research this for such a long time. And the problem was nobody would talk about it. All these people who yeah. survived the partition, I mean, nobody would talk about it. And to this day, people, you know, in our culture, like you don't talk about emotional stuff. You don't talk about hard things. Right. So yeah. We're finally now getting comfortable talking about it. Um, and you know, from, we talk about trauma being generational and being inherited the way to stop it is yeah. to talk about it and to change our patterns. Yeah. Stop the pattern. Like, like jazz, you were saying, this is stopping the sending with me, like the color yep. is ending with me. Right. That's the cure for it. Right. So now that we're able to have these conversations around it and we can point out, Oh, this weird thing, like this helicopter parenting, where does this come from? Oh, it came from our sense of loss. Right. Mm. Now we can resolve that because we know why that happened. And we can take the steps to remediate that and think about, is this a functional behavior we're having or was this functional at some point as a coping behavior? Yeah. And now we don't need that coping behavior anymore. When you don't need a coping behavior anymore, it, it goes from functional to dysfunctional. Yeah. yeah. And so One now we got to reverse all these dysfunctional behaviors we pick yeah. up in our culture and that's how we undo this trauma. Yeah. Everyone needs therapy. Yes. <laughs> The name of this episode, everyone needs therapy. <laughs> I, I do want to say one thing, uh, something that you brought up, like, you know, we weren't ready to talk about it. And that's because, like, for the longest time, the reason it was so difficult to talk about was not only, like, the trauma that you went through, but it was also, like, people were more focused on who to blame than to actually heal, yes. right? It's like... Well, all these Muslims did this, but then all these Hindus did this. And like, once we go away from the, like, oh, the oppression Olympics or the, you know, trauma Olympics, like that's the only time that we can have a conversation and find out how to heal because it's not helping anybody because 
if this many people died and a few more people died from this demographic, who, who does that help? It doesn't help it anybody. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think there's still people out there for blaming each other, but like, you know, if, if we want to be the ones who are like instilling that change, like that, you're right. It doesn't, you can't move forward by like saying he did this or she does whatever, you know? Yeah. But yeah, man. Ah. Uh, very very difficult subject um we're at the end of our episode any closing thoughts uh miriam want to go first um i mean i was just really impressed with where the direction the show is going and like it's such an entertaining show and a fun show but they're able to kind of put in this really like heavy and serious kind of stuff that's happened so i think it's really cool that they've done that and bringing light to that and making people aware of whether a history they're not you know familiar with or their own history you know so i love that about it mm, very cool what about you jazz i'm traumatized right now I'm processing. <laughs> are, are we are we trauma bonding are we all trauma bonding we now? are that's trauma bonding <laughs> yes that is the phrase <laughs> <laughs> oh man Oh man, no, this, this was a very informative episode. I I hope people get a lot out of it. Um, I dread editing this episode because I'm probably going to cry halfway through. Uh, It's okay, man. It's okay. (laughs) It's, it's, it's really sad, man. And I do have like a newfound appreciation for my parents and it's tough, man. You see Maniba talking to uh, her mom and Kamala and their relationship. Like we have to understand, like, this might be a superhero show, but the heart of the show is these mothers and daughters and their relationship. That's the yep. biggest part of the show. Like you take away the superpowers, it's still the mm-hmm. show. The show is still there. Um, and people don't realize that. And I have like, you know, I think like this show when Miss uh, Marvel finally takes her name Miss Marvel, it's not even gonna be in reference to Carol Danvers. It's probably gonna be like her mom getting Carol Danvers' name wrong and accidentally calling her Miss Marvel, and she takes her name because her mom <laughs> calls it that, right? Like I feel like, I feel like the relationship between the mom is my thing that I'm looking forward to the most. I'm looking forward to the healing. I don't care when she gets her suit. I don't care when she gets her powers. I just want Maniba and like you know Kamala to have like a good healthy relationship i'm so invested in these family i don't know why <laughs> hey i told you day one man when you auntie is gonna be the mvp of the show it yeah with us, you know like mm-hmm. this is a family on tv that like us as pakistani americans can really relate to you know mm-hmm. like we've all had those kind of interactions with our own parents or had those struggles as teenagers or whatever yeah yeah totally all right man well Thank that was you a great therapy so... session. See you all next that week. Was a... <laughs> that was a great therapy session. Uh, my my insurance is Blue Cross Blue Shield. Just send them a bill. Yep. Yeah, I have Oscar's uh, uh, individual from Obamacare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good luck for you, Jazz. <laughs> I, I'm just hoping I hit my deductible. <laughs> Oh man, no! Thank you, Mary, for having us on. We're probably going to bring you back because we're oh for sure. Because not only not only do we uh, talk about trauma from you know generational trauma and uh, partition, but we also do reality shows, and there's a lot of trauma there. <laughs> Would love to. Maybe we'll bring you on to discuss the Bachelor or the Bachelorette. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> 
have to do some research. Oh, man. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. This was a fun session. Well, the first half was fun. The second half was educational. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for being here. And until next time, guys, salam, nerds. <laughs>